If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to James chapter 1. We're looking at verse number 9. I will not keep you long. You do know what that means when a preacher says that, right? But I will not keep you long. I've been tossing and turning. There was a whole lot I was going to cover, verses 9 through 12. But uh, I just could not leave this one verse. As I've been uh, thinking and uh, praying, I think uh, we are just need to have some understanding that everything's not hunky-dory. Not everything is like going to the rose garden, right? Sometimes life just throws you a curveball. I couldn't help but uh, think about this commercial. I think it was the insurance. Uh, I don't know, but it was, uh, uh, it's the guy that acts like he's a uh, havoc, you know, and I think it's maybe with Allstate or something like that. And, and the worst case scenarios happen. You know, he was a, uh, a flag uh, for a football team and he flies off the window into the windshield. Y'all remember, you know, what I'm talking about. But the best one uh, that I saw is where, uh, you know, they're uh, driving down the road. And of course, we all use GPS now. Uh, we don't read signs anymore. We, you know, we listen to a woman tell us where to go. <laughs> And so uh, uh, we're going down there, and she says, in a quarter of a mile, uh, take a right. And didn't, you know, like that. Well, in this commercial, uh, he's uh, driving down the road and says, in a quarter of a mile, turn left, you know, and, and uh, it turned left. Sometimes that's how life is. You're just kind of like moving along, and all of a sudden, whoop. Wasn't your fault. Wasn't anybody else's fault. It just happened. Well, here we understand the context of this passage that we're going to look at tonight. We understand that James is uh, telling the believers that uh, there's going to be some trials and tribulations. There's going to be some hard times coming. There's going to be some difficulties coming. There's just going to be some times when you're just thinking this is just not fair. And so he's instructing them, how do we get through those times? And then we find ourselves in verse number 9. And one of the things that we're going to see tonight is, and I'm preaching a very short message, on the way up is to go down. The way up is to go down. Look at verse number 9 with me tonight. And let the brother of low degree rejoice and that he is exalted. That's a good word right there. And it's a word that we need to understand that when we are going through these trying times, these difficult times, sometimes the Lord allows us to be humbled. That's what he's saying here. He says, the brother of low degree. Now I understand Oh, what's going on here? I understand the contrast. If you continue to read, uh, starting with verse uh, number 10 all the way uh, through, I understand he gives a contrast of a poor man and a rich man. I understand all of that. But we need to understand tonight that when you're talking about wealth or riches, it's not always talking about money. Okay? 
Now, one of the best illustrations I came across of dealing with humility is a, uh, a, true, a true story. German uh, General Sherman. It's towards the end of the Civil War. My dad was a Civil a war buff. He uh, loved uh, Civil War history. And so uh, he has these books. I got a couple of the books in my library. But uh, the story goes that it's getting towards the end of the war and uh, General Sherman has to make some changes in commands. He calls upon a man by the name of General Howard. General Howard was a believer. And he made him the commander or the, uh, the head of this specialized unit. And so the war has now ended. General Sherman gives a call to General Howard. And he says, there's going to be a grand review, which means the whole army is going to parade. They're going to be honored in Washington. He says, now I want you to know there are some political forces. You do understand that war is always a political thing, okay? Uh, matter of fact, and this is just not in my notes, and you take it for what it's worth, but uh, too many times our politicians get in the way of our military doing the job that they need to be doing, and we could have been in a whole lot better shape if we just let the military do what they needed to do and keep the politicians out of the play. But that's here nor there at this point. And so he says there's political forces that want the one that, uh, that you relieved of his duty. They want him to ride the lead horse before their unit in the Grand Review. General Howard says, but uh, General Sherman, that's my command. Sherman looks at him and he says, rightfully so. But he says, would you just consider the fact it would really help me out? So Howard goes and he says, I'll give you an answer. As I made mention, Howard is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes and prays about it. He comes and he makes contact with Sherman. He says, I've prayed about this. He says, I will step aside and I will allow that man to ride the lead horse before that unit. Sherman responds and he says, thank you very much. That's been very helpful to me. But he says, on the day of the grand review, I want you to meet me at 9 o'clock that morning. Howard looked at him and he says, okay, what? He says, you're going to ride beside me. Understand, General Sherman is riding before the whole army and he's allowed General Howard to ride beside him. See, the Bible tells us that when we are exalted, it's abased. But when we humble ourselves, we will be exalted. And so here we see this man is a man of humble beginnings. He, he, he's a humbled man. It reminds me of that old song. Many of you can or know the song, and if you uh, can finish these lyrics out, uh, that tells me you're old. Okay, y'all ready? We're going to test how many old people we got here tonight. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humbled when you're... Now we know who the old people are. Here's our problem in the church today. We may have a laugh about it. We may sing and jest about it. But that's how many of us feel in our hearts. We don't think we're 
need to humble ourselves. We, we think that we've kind of arrived in the scene. We think that we deserve something, that uh, we need to be recognized for things. And um, the problem is that God will not, cannot use those who have exalted to Himself. You need to understand, and I need to understand, and I think I have getting it clearer and clearer as I continue my journey in life. I'm learning to understand that I don't have to promote myself. The Lord Jesus will take care of that in those times. And so here, we're going to see that this man, he's in contrast here, and he helps us to understand that he is humble. Now, I find it interesting that this man is rejoicing. He's rejoicing. Why is he rejoicing? He's rejoicing because he came to realize that he has turned it all over to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not concerned about his agendas. He's not concerned about his position. He's not concerned about, is that my job or is it not my job? It's not in my job description. I don't think I need to be doing something like that. How dare you ask me to do something like that? Don't you understand who I am? Don't you understand my education? Don't you understand my income level? Don't you understand my power that I have? And the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that He cannot use somebody like that and I dare say that many of us have missed out on wonderful blessings that had God had in store for us but because of our pride and our arrogance we missed out are, are, you, are you here? I'm not, I'm not fussing. I'm not angry. I'm just telling you, and, and uh, we don't have the screens on tonight, uh, but uh, I was going to, and, and then I, after I thought about it, I said, well, that would be just real weird. But if we had the screens upon that, I was going to turn around, and I was going to point to those screens, and I was going to say, I'm preaching to myself. And I thought, well, I won't be able to see myself on that screen because I'm facing this way. And y'all know what I'm seeing, what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but if we could do that, I'd be preaching to Mike Shelby tonight. Just going to be honest with you. I was in Houston, Texas mm, some years ago took a trip down to work with the inner city, mostly predominantly Hispanics. I get down there and I'm the older one in the bunch. I don't know why that was funny. <laughs> I didn't say that to get a laughter. But I was the older one in the bunch. I'd had a little education under me. I had preached a few sermons and whatnot like that. So I'm taking this group and I'm thinking they're going to call on me to preach when I get down there. So I get down there and uh, the, the lady, Miss Joy, never forget her. She had three mission points there in the inner city. By the way, this is during the time when they were having turf wars. People were being killed in the Fiesta stores, which are like Kmarts. They were, they were killing each other in the stores. Drug trade and all that. And so here we are. And so I'm getting down there and I'm thinking I'm a big shot. I'm just going to be honest with you. I thought, well, they're going to last me. They're really going to see my credentials here. And uh, they're going to let me do some things. And they're going to get me an interpreter. And I'm going to be able to preach. 
That first morning we get there and she says, Oh, by the way, today is Thursday. We're having Bible study. We're having over 250 women who are going to be in our Bible study. And I'm thinking, okay. I'm thinking, man, that's cool. 250 people. And she says, I have called in a Spanish-speaking pastor. He's going to preach for me. I said, okay, I understand that. And I said, well, what are we going to do? She says, uh, you're going to help keep the nursery. These are small babies. They have diapers. They speak no English. I'm going in there, and of course, I got to be spiritual about this thing. I'm going in there, but inside I'm thinking, what, what, she doesn't realize who she's talking to. Don't look at me spiritual. You've done the same thing. And I thought, and I'm, I'm arguing with God. I said, God, I've drove 950 miles to keep a bunch of snutty nose, changing diapers, uh, and they speak no English. They told me the only word I needed to know, know is baño, bathroom. <laughs> Every other word I was thinking, I got to run them to the bathroom. And I'm mad. I'm just being honest with you, I'm mad. After the service, Miss Joy comes in. She said, oh, praise God, praise God. She said, we had 65 women come to give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit slapped me upside the head and he said, I'll promote you when you need promoting, but you need to understand you were instrumental in that because if no one kept those snotty-nosed diaper babies, they women would not have gotten saved. I'm telling you, I could have gone off and I said, I ain't going to do this. And in my heart, I already said that. But God says that He will exalt those who humble themselves. And we've missed out in the church today because we're thinking if I could just get there where Brother Mike is and after this sermon, you're going to think to yourself, I could have done a lot better job and you're probably right. But I am just happened to be the one that was picked. I'm thankful for the opportunity. I praise his name for the honor to be able to preach. But I'm telling you, you will never be used of God when you have an attitude like that. So here... He says, of low degree. He said he rejoiced. He was happy because he understood that the Lord could use him. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 23, verse number 12. And I told you we're going to finish. We're, gonna, we're, we're, we're getting there, okay? Hang in there. But I believe the word, if nothing else, this word's for me. What does he say? He says, the one that exhausts himself will be abased. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus goes on and says, in chapter 2, verse number 5, we see where the word usage here, uh, we see in James chapter 2, verse number 5, it says, and he's talking about the poor man. He says, God chooses the poor who are rich in faith. Now, he's not saying, I'm choosing somebody that's poor just because they're poor. 
He says, I'm choosing these ones who are poor because they're rich in faith. Do you remember a church in Revelation that had this same problem here? The church at Laodicea. They said, we have need of nothing. They had the best of everything. Now, hear me and just stay with me. Hopefully, we're going to wrap this thing together. I really believe with all of my heart that we have missed it and we have not seen the movement of the, and the glory of the Lord because we have become too stinking rich. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about prestige, power, position. What's wrong with us? And our churches are not making the impact because a lost and dying world sees that. They see it. They're saying all they're concerned about is how they're, they're positioned. All they're concerned about is how big of a choir they can muster. Uh, all, all they're concerned with is how big buildings they can build. And all that's well and good uh, when it's done in the proper way. But I'm telling you, the lost world needs to see that the genuine deal and the reason why we're serving Him, no matter what capacity we're asked to serve Him, we'll do it with a joyful heart. Why? Because we understand if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be in the place where we're at anyway and so here he says the rich in faith of course he's giving the contrast we've already talked about that but here's the problem that we have we have become more excited about what we have you listening we become more excited about what we have than who has us That's our problem. I've been in churches where they're arguing over silly stuff and lost people are dying and going to hell all around them. Why? Because I've been in this church. My granddaddy was in this church. Matter of fact, my granddaddy built this building and I have some privilege around here. I just want you to know these pews that you're sitting on, my family furnished them. Do, do you understand that I, 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 have, a, I have a PhD. I, I've been to seminary. I, I, I've, I, I know Hebrew. I know Greek. And I'm telling you what we've become is a bunch of rich, snotty-nosed, stuck-up, self-righteous and more concerned about what we're having and what we can have so we can go to association meetings and say, hey, man, I just want y'all to know we had over a thousand in Sunday school today. They're not boasting about they had a thousand in Sunday school because there was a thousand that were sitting under the Word of God. They were boasting about the numbers that they had because they knew that the one beside them didn't have quite that many numbers. And if we're not careful, we'll get in that same position. And so here Paul uh, and uh, James is writing to us and he says, uh, look at the one that is of low degree. He's rejoicing because he has been exalted. Now I want you to turn in Luke. We're going to be in Luke very quickly. Luke chapter 10. I just want you to look at this. Luke chapter 10 verses 17 through 20. We're not going to read that but I'm going to go ahead and give you the Shelby translation. Jesus has sent the 70 out, right? 
So the 70 are going out. They've now returned back to give their report. Look at their report. They're excited. The Bible says they were with joy. Man, they're joy. And they're saying, they said, Lord, Lord, you're not going to believe what. That always strikes me as funny, by the way. Like Jesus didn't know. Oh, wow. She surprised me on that one. Thanks for letting me know, boys. So, Lord, Lord, we, we're excited because even the demons are subject to us. Now, the modern church would have had a period after that. You're, you're catching it here. Now, look at us. Man, we went into the inner city. We went over to Upton High. We went over to Inman. And I'm telling you what, people got saved. People rejoiced. We just had a revival. I just want you to know that we won't verbalize that, but that's what we're believing in our hearts. Boy, isn't God lucky to have us. See, they, they, were, they, they were exalting themselves. But it didn't stop there. Notice what while they're rejoicing and saying, hey, the demons are subject to us because of your name. Because of his name. See, whoever stands in this pulpit, and I do not want to hear my heart tonight, whoever stands in this pulpit, we ought to give them all the support that we can. Now, I say, well, Brother Mike, you know, hey, I need your I need your help. Okay, I'm not. But what I'm not saying this about Mike. I'm telling whoever stands behind this pulpit needs to be encouraged and supported. Why? Because we're preaching the same gospel. We're preaching the same Jesus. We may do it in a different way. We may be doing it in different styles. You might say, I really like that brother Shane. I like brother Shane. That brother Mike, yeah, I give and take on him, but I really like that brother. This is not about personalities, folks. It's about the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves so we can be used of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, when we humble ourselves, He will exalt us. And we need to understand the reason. And by the way, whoever does the music, okay? Whoever does, Chris, whoever is doing the music, we need to say glory to God. God has used them. I want you to know, and I think I can speak for the other ones, it's a very humbling experience to get up here because we understand the high standard that has been set. It's very humbling for me to be able to come to you when I can't read my notes half the time and when memory has to kick in and sometimes it kicks out more than it kicks in. <laughs> it's humbling, folks. But when He exalts us, and the only way He can exalt us is we humble ourselves. Some of you might be asked to do something that you really don't want to do. You want to be blessed? You want to be blessed? You seize that opportunity. I talked to some of our older folks today. Or as I, I like to use the word mature. Some of them are mature adults in a mature living facility. And I told them no matter what their limitations are, they can still be used of God. 
And, and, and I'm, I'm just going to close with this. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to. Maybe I've told you this story, but I'm going to tell it to you again. We're closing. We're coming to the invitation. When I first was diagnosed with my glaucoma, uh, I was able to still see and I was driving and probably not very well, but I was still driving and I, I was still able to do what I needed to do. As the disease continued to deteriorate my eyesight, I came to the realization that I just can't do some of the things that I used to do. <clears throat> That's uh, very humbling. Uh, when you're up to get up and jump in the car and go where you need to go, now I have to call somebody. My daughter who's here. I'm thankful to God for her because she gets me around where I need to go. And it humbled me because I had to ask her. But she's been a blessing to me. And she's allowed me to do what I can do for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the other things I found out is that even though my eyesight, I have to work a little harder and get everything together, but I'm finding out that the Lord has used that and has helped me with that. I start thinking about the Apostle Paul. We talked about that this afternoon. Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh. There's all kinds of speculation. Don't know, no need to go down that road again. It could very well be that he had poor eyesight, and he did have poor eyesight because he wrote in very large letters. But Paul, who was beaten, battered, if Paul came into this building, or we told you the Apostle Paul's going to preach tonight, you would think he'd be a strapping young, you know, just buffed up kind of a guy. Paul was a very frail man. Probably had poor health because of uh, having malaria and all that. But God used him. And remember the story. He cried out. He says, Lord, would you take this thorn out of... I, was there. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, would you just go ahead and restore my health? Would you give me my eyesight back? Enough to where I could get around and move around. Paul says he went to the Lord once. The Lord says, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. The Lord told me. He says, nah. So he went a second time. I also went a second time. Same answer. The Lord says, nah. Third time. Now, this is where me and Paul separate. I didn't stop at three. I'll <laughs> just be honest with you. Paul, third time, he says, Okay, Lord, I got the message. Your grace is sufficient. I asked the Lord a few more times, and now I have resolved to the fact that if He never restores my eyesight, I'm still going to praise Him, and I'm still going to do what I can do. I mean, listen. That's very humbling. But when I became humbled, He exalted me. My memory's not all that great, but He's allowed me to remember because He knows I can't see my notes. His grace is sufficient. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what we could have easily done and easily what our pastor could have done, and many of you are in the same boat with us, we could easily say, okay, got the message, I'm throwing the towel in. And we would have missed out on some blessings God had in store for us. Church, listen to me. This is us corporately. We're going to be going through some unknown waters. But His grace is sufficient. And we're going to have to humble ourselves. We're going to have to humble ourselves. 
We're going to have to do some things that are out of our comfort zones. We're going to have to do some things that we can easily say, well, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not qualified. If you've been saved, if you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, you're qualified to serve Him. But we're going to have to humble ourselves. We're going to have to realize that things are just not like they used to be. But as I preach out of the book of Philippians, Isaiah 43, 18, you know, remember the passage where he says all the things that God had done for them in the past and then he tells them, forget ye the former things. Remember that from Wednesday night? And then he goes on and says, here's the reason why you need to forget all the things I did for you in the past because I have something new in store for you. And if we don't humble ourselves, submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we're going to miss out on some blessings that God has in store for us as a corporate body here at Hillcrest Baptist Church. But then, in verse number 12, he says and gives them this promise and we're closing. And to him who has endured, I will give him the crown of life that he has promised us. So here's what we're saying. Hebrews talks about it as well. We're in a race. It's called life. And there's going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some of those sudden turns. There's going to be a, sea, a, a hole where we didn't realize or in my case, didn't see. And we're going to fall in it. But here's what we do, church. The ones that are coming in behind us are going to pick up the ones along the way because we're in this thing together. We're the body of Christ and we're in it together. But we got to be willing to humble ourselves, totally surrender ourselves and say, Lord Jesus, whatever you have in store for us, we know you're more than able. We're more than conquerors. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And he's not going to leave us. And he's not going to forsake us.